Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Welcome to the podcast, conscience that made us. Interviews and stories, tales from the bus. We love taking you back to when it all went down. The greatest live shows and that cheering crowd sound. It's concerts, concerts that made us, concerts that made us.com. Hello, everybody. This is Rob from Rex, and you listen to Concerts That Made Us. Enjoy.
welcome to Concerts That Made Us. I'm uh, very happy to be here. I'm very honoured. It's great to have you now. I'm looking forward to diving into your music over the next bit. So you guys released your new double album Monday on the 15th of September. What can you tell us about it? Well, it's a Monday. It's an album we uh, start working on, I think, 18 months ago, maybe 20. I'm not sure about that. And it uh, took quite a while to finish it because we had a lot of material. And uh, we decided to put our music in a more experimental direction. So we added some uh, crowd rock elements to it. And also we wanted the music a bit more heavier than our uh, previous records. And uh, I think uh, if you ask me, we did a pretty good job. I'm happy with the album. You sure did. You sure did. Now, the first thing that's noticeable once you listen is it's darker than your previous work. What kind of led to that decision? Well, we, uh, I always, when I speak for myself, I always like when uh, not every album from a band sounds the same. And our second album was kind of the usual follow-up from the first record. And I still love those two uh, previous albums, don't get me wrong. But we thought the third album could use some more balls to it and some more courage in our musical approach. And that's why we decided not to take it, the, not to use the safe road, you know, not the safe way. And yeah, and that's how we end up uh, like this. So we had some. Uh, different approaches when it comes to songwriting, you know, not the conventional uh, way of writing songs like bridge, chorus. We decided to mix that all up and also, uh, you know, uh, think outside the box when it comes to musical theory kind of thing, you know, fuck the skills and <laughs> things like that, you know. Yeah, yeah, I get you, I get you. And you know, a double album, it's a big undertaking. Was it kind of a case of you had wrote too many songs or was it a conscious decision from the start it was going to be a double album? No, it was not a conscious decision. Um, we went, uh, we started writing and we had some songs who turned out pretty long. And also we had some shorter songs, but when you put this together, we thought like, hey, when we put this on one record, it's never going to fit. So we had the idea just to split it up, you know, to make uh, two different pieces of what we thought, nah, let's make it a double. It's a good statement, you know, of our previous albums were pretty short, around 30 minutes. And this one clocks about, I think, 73 or something, maybe 80. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, yeah, we thought it was a statement to uh, do it like this, you know, put it in people's faces. Here you got it, two albums. So like that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, are you going to take a break now? Because you've put out practically two albums as one. Does that mean you guys are yeah. going to take a longer break? Well, first we're going to promote this album in the next year. And after that, we'll see what happens. Maybe we will take a break. Maybe we have so much new ideas that we start for a fourth album. I don't know. Who knows? 
And when it came to recording then, how did you guys approach it? What did that time look like? Most, a lot of material uh, we recorded live in the studio. And then we take the best take and sometimes you have to repair something. And that's, and sometimes I add some guitars or some uh, Rob, our bass player, he's he's very good at uh, space sounds and psychedelic stuff like that. And we added that stuff to the live track and uh, then put focus on it. Yeah, that's how we do it. And also are some live jams on the album, which just are the way we played it. I gotcha, I gotcha. Something my listeners enjoy hearing about is when it comes to making new music, what's your favorite part? What do you look forward to most? And then the reverse, what do you dread? Well, for me personally, I like to see it when you have a musical idea and you see that idea is starting to grow, you know? There are some tracks on the album which the basic idea came from, came from my hand and it was kind of a usual song, you know, with a, with a, with a, with a chorus and a bridge, you know, and a verse. And then we start that hustling around and then it's very interesting when you see what the end result of a certain song is. And sometimes I think it's pretty difficult to see how a song is developing, how a song is developing into something new. But in this product process from this album, it was very uh, exciting. And and also for me, uh, you know, uh, a wake up call like like Oh, this is also a way to do it, you know, and, and uh, yeah, it was, it was exciting. This is really, uh, really cool. Maybe we put some demos online someday. Then you can see what, how the starting version of some song, uh, some songs was and how it is right now. That's in a couple of cases, it was totally different. <laughs> That's something you'll definitely have to do. So. And, you know, it's been out for a week, so there's not been much time for people to really get their teeth into it. But what has the initial reaction been? Well, until now, the reactions are pretty good. We have a couple of reviews now, and uh, they're very positive, and newer reviews are coming up. And we had our uh, album presentation last weekend, and yeah, that really was a blast. We sold a lot of records and, and people people were very enthusiastic about the new material. So we were very happy because it's always, you know, you never know uh, how people are going to react, especially when you make a record, which is so different than your previous records. You know, it can, it can go both ways, you know. Some people like more soul-related material. They probably end up with previous records, but the people who are more into experimental and crowd rock, space rock kind of stuff, they might end up with the next record. So, uh, yeah, it's quite uh, quite exciting. Yeah, yeah, it sounds it. It sounds it. Now, you guys formed in 2017. Personally, for you, what has the journey been like? <laughs> well, uh, we, uh, you know that our drummer the name is Rob and the bass player also called Rob. And my name is Ron, so there are the three R's from. So 
I make it easier to make, uh, to say the drum board is rock M and the bass player is called Zim. Okay? It makes it easier. So the bass player Zim and I, we, uh, we met each other a long time ago. I think 16 years old. And uh, we are from the same city. And uh, we hung out at, uh, at the same places. And eventually we end up together in a band. And I think it, I was 21 or something. I was a band called AP Lady. And that band evolved into Astrosonic, which is a band which, which lasted from 1999 till 2016. It still exists, but if you're going to do something with that band, I don't know. But Rob and I played together in AP Lady. And that's how I uh, started to know Rob of our Zim as a musician. And later on, I met Rob Martin, the singer and drummer from uh, from Rex, and he was a big Astrosonic fan. So uh, we meet at Biddy's place, maybe you know a Biddy, somewhere floating around. He, he's, not, he's not under us anymore. And on the party at Biddy's house, uh, Rob uh, started a conversation with me and actually didn't know that I was an astrosonic. So he was quite surprised that I was in that band. So he was like, are you playing an astrosonic? Oh, I'm such a great fan. That's that's the way I, I met Robert Chan. So and a couple of years later, we decided to, uh, yeah, to uh, form a band and try some uh, jam sessions together. And Walter from Roadburn he found out that we did that and he immediately offered us funnel rope. <laughs> so it was quite a challenge to uh, to make an album for Roadburn because we really have to hurry. I suppose at this stage, so we'll uh, dive into your own musical history to give the listeners a sense of where you come from. Now, it's a bit of a tricky one, but can you remember your earliest musical memory? Well, uh, my earliest musical memory is my parents, they had a pharmacy shop, but they weren't exactly musicals. The only records they had were they getting from clients. So they were like those awful compilation uh, records, you know, all 13 good you know, with, with disco tracks on it. Nana Muscuri and uh, Vicky Leandros and things like that. Also, some awful uh, Dutch artists, you know. But on one record was the Osmonds with a track called Crazy Horses. And me and my brother, we really liked that one because that was a rock song. And that was my first encounter with rock music. And uh, when Kiss had a hit on 1979 with I Was Make For Love You, that was for me... Then I was uh, really into rock music because for my birthday, I uh, get the Love Gun record. And from that point, yeah, all hell was breaking loose. <laughs> <laughs> and for I me, like Love Gun is still one of my top five best rock albums ever. So, uh, yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. And after that, a Rainbow came with Rising because... Uh, a girl who worked in my parents' uh, shop, she uh, recorded a cassette, you know, cassette tape. 
and Rainbow Rising was on that one, and the first Iron Maiden, and Jimi Hendrix band Gypsies. So that tape was also very important. And still, all those records are very precious to me. And after that came the first Van Halen, and that was like an echo bomb went over my head. You know, when you're here running for the, with the devil for the first time, for me, I didn't know what was happening. I still think that guitar riff is one of the best riffs ever made. Mm. Yeah. So that's when the journey started. And, and from that point, I started also uh, discovering more types of music. I also, uh, at that time, listened secretly to disco music because that was not done for a metalhead. <laughs> but eventually I ended up with Slayer and Metallica, you know, Exodus, and Nuclear Assault, and Metal Church. All those trash bands from the 80s, which also are very precious to me. Also Entombed, that metal came up. But also Disco, a really big Nile Rogers fan. But also uh, some country music, psychedelic music like the old Pink Floyd. Yeah, it was an interesting time. Yeah, sounds it. Sounds it. Very eclectic mix there. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you had to pick the moment to define what sparked the desire to become a musician, what would you say it is? You know, when you have to kiss a Life 2 album and you fall over, open that album cover, what do you see? You see a big stage with flames, a rising drum kit, and Ace Freely is there on the right side of the stage. And I was thinking, I want that. <laughs> And I was nine years old, I guess. And that was the age that I said to my parents, I want to play guitar. I thought, and the first thing they, they thought was, ah, he's going to play this for one month. And uh, yeah, we have to buy a nail so we can nail it to the wall. But my dad never needed that nail because from that point on, I was playing guitar all the time and trying to write my own songs. And uh, actually, I was 15 when I, when I and uh, a cousin of mine, he asked me to join his band. And that was a trash band called Deffen. And I uh, was asked when I was 15 years old. And I was barely 16 when I had my first studio exper uh, experience, which was like, I was so overwhelmed from the whole studio thing, which big table, and, and that's how I forgot to play well. So when you're in a demo, like, oh my God. I mean, the songs they were pretty decent, but playing was off because I was so impressed with what was happening. So that was pretty fun. Oh man, that's, uh, that's fairly young though to have a studio experience, isn't it? Yeah, I was, I was uh, pretty young. Growing up then, the local music scene, what was it like and how has it changed to the way it is today? Okay, that is an interesting question because I'm from a small town called Oz and I still live live there. And uh, we had a quite a very living metal scene back in the days. We had uh, four or five uh, trash bands who uh, did pretty well in the 80s. You had Deffen that I played in. We got Messina, who also uh, made a pretty good name. 
we had endangered species, we had Armageddon, and probably I forget uh, some dance, but we were friends, but we also were uh, a healthy form of competition, you know. So uh, we had a great time playing with each other, but also we tried to overrule the other band, you know, in a friendly way, but it was a great time. It was really, for me, I learned so much. I, I learned so much, uh, you know, how to act on stage, to, to play on stage. It was really important for me to, to form myself as a musician. Yeah, yeah. And how does that time compare to the local music scene today? How has it evolved over time? Well, I think uh, a big difference with that period and now is that it's more difficult to to build a name. You know, back in the days, when a band was playing in your city, you went to see them. Yeah. No matter what it was, you you went there. So it was always crowded. Always when we played, there were two other people were there, at least. So people really wanted to see bands. The, 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 the music scene, live music scene was really active. And the music scene is still active, but it's not that it's not that on every concert a lot of people are showing up, you know, and it's because there are a lot of more bands existing right now than there were back in the days. Because in my city, the the band scene was very very active, but it was not like that in other cities. So I think also it's quite unique back in the time, uh-huh. back in the days then. Yeah. I think that's that's a big difference. But also, you have you know you have all digital social media kind of stuff. You have Spotify. Back in the, in the days, we, we were selling uh, cassette tapes, no? Mm. Yeah. It, it's really, uh, really different. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. And from the concerts you've attended then, is there any that you would say have made you? Well, my first big concert was uh, Metallica and Queensway 98. It was the Justice for All tour. I was a big Metallica fan. And a big Queen's Rights I think the first four Queen's Rights albums, I think they're brilliant. Sometimes I have discussions with musicians because they think Queen's Rights is a bit cheesy. <laughs> Some of your listeners don't agree with that, but I love it. So I went there and Queen's Rights for me was absolutely brilliant that evening. They were fantastic. And Metallica showed up and it was a bit disappointing for me because, really? in my opinion, Queen's Rite completely blowed Metallica from stage. Right. I still liked the Metallica concert, but it was like, I mean, their, their sound was messy. I mean, they played a bit sloppy, in my opinion, and Queen's Rite was very tight. And it was my first big concert, so it was very impressive to see 30,000 men. You know, a uh, big audience, and it was my first time. I was 16. And in the same year, I saw Slayer on the South of Heaven tour in a, in a city nearby. And I think there were 4,000 4, people showing up. So it was a much smaller venue. 
but that concert was so intense. The energy from the from the public, energy from the stage, it was most one of the most intense concerts I ever saw. It was absolutely amazing. And I think those two are still in the back of my head. Yeah, I can see why, all right. I have to ask, if you stack them together, which one comes out on top? Slayer or Metallica and Queensryche? Oh, that's a very difficult. I I, I would say Queensryche or, or uh, maybe, maybe Slayer. That energy was so, so amazing. And the band was playing so tight and they were at their peak. Maybe, maybe uh, because I was too young to uh, saw Slayer on the Hello Waits tour, but they played in 1985 in Eindhoven in the Dynamo. Yeah, I was 13, you know, mm. <laughs> so I was too young. Maybe they were at their peak back then but but for me they were at that was my the best slayer concert i ever saw and i saw them many times maybe 15 times or something really oh, a lot <laughs> that is a lot but that one was so so four thousand men everybody was shouting the lyrics from south Fem. everybody <laughs> no exception yeah. everybody and that's quite impressive when you're 16 years old yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Now, the, quite possibly the most important question of the whole episode. For your shows, for any listeners that haven't caught them, give them the full experience if you can. Tell us all about them. Well, we, uh, we're going at the show that shows at this moment are more uh, psychedelic, with more uh, jammy parts in it. And we uh, try to take the audience on our journey and we try to do that with no musical influence takes the overhand and we try to make a good balance between songs uh, uh experimental parts uh big heavy fuss parts and psychedelic swinging parts where the audience can dance or trip out or anything you want everything is allowed except violence and people can make their own journey together with us i think that's what we try to accomplish with our audience yeah sounds like a good night and if you think of all the gigs you've played over your career is there one that maybe sticks in your mind as the most perfect experience you've had well that is one gig, uh, when it comes to rec show, it's very special. And it was during the COVID uh, uh, time, you know. And everything was restricted. You know the whole story. And we had, a lot of bands were struggling with this whole Corona, COVID. Uh, uh, yeah, pretty shitty situation. And then there was in Antwerpen, in Belgium. They made a an arena made out of wood, and uh, we played there. And we had uh, a stage what was moving around in circles, and it it almost seems like that uh, Mad Max movie, you know, Max Max and the Thunderdome. Yeah. And when I walked into the arena, 
it was looking like that. Oh my God, I'm playing in the Max Thunderdome here. <laughs> so, and they, they uh, had a pretty clever solution to this whole COVID, uh, you know, uh, limitations because they had this kind of, uh, what do you call it, kind of boxes where two persons each could take place. So when we looked around, you know, we saw this arena about with two persons in every niche. Maybe that's the right word. And then we start playing, and the atmosphere was so great. We had this stage was turning around, that which shop with us on top, and, and the sound was perfect. It's also when you uh, fold over the, our uh, album cover, you see that arena on the inside. So the gig was so special that we decided to give it a place on our album cover, on the latest album. So. I think that one was really, uh, really a very special. And we were pretty on steam that evening. So the show was also very, very good and everything fell into place. Yeah. You know, when you have a gig like that, how are you not like walking off the stage saying, that was it. We can't possibly get any better. We might as well retire. <laughs> <laughs> well, we went off stage and we were really like, whoa. This one was really, really great. But for me personally, I realized afterwards, maybe a couple of months later, man, that gig was really special, you know? But I think you always have to try to get over your best gig, you know? Mm. I think when a gig is so special, you're always looking um, in for gigs that are even more special or... At least at the same level, you know? Yeah, yeah, true, true. So, and, you know, and sometimes we also played a gig in a very small uh, venue in Nijmegen, and it was on the second Christmas day in Holland, and that one was also very great. There was only 50 people because it was so small, but the, the connection to the audience was also really great. There was only 50 people there, but everybody was dancing, having a great time. Also, that... Small places can also very, very exciting and very special. Yeah, true. So true, I think actually. these two ones for me are uh, are uh, most special for me. Hopefully, with our new album and the new new uh, set, with our new material, hopefully we can uh, get some gigs that are going to top those two. Yeah. Exactly. We'll exactly. Fingers crossed. And I always say you have to you have to take the good with the bad. So for this one now, you can use any band, any any band you've been in for your career. But is there a gig that you've played that is maybe the worst experience you've had? And how did you deal with it? Uh, <laughs> well, I think one gig was very uh, bad. And I'm sorry for the people who were there because there also were people who thought it was really great. But that was a gig with a job of blood. Maybe you know I was in that band too mm. for five years. And it was on a festival in Sweden and it was called Muscle Rock. And we played there two times. And the first time we played there, yeah, that was really awful because... We, we were there for two days and, and 
half of the band was, was of the band was drunk. So we went up stage and you know, fellows were forgetting their parts and and, and that thing, that that gig was really a bad and especially for the devil blood because almost every gig of that band was very, very good. Except for that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one I have very bad. And strangely enough, after the show, yeah, we had some discussions backstage and we were pretty angry on each other. But one hour after that, we still had a good part. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a strange thing about that, you know. Then yeah. it's all okay, we give each, we forgive each other and let's have a good time. But that show was really awful, and also we uh, we can uh, remember one show with a band called Tidale, and I wasn't that bad from ninety ninety five till nineteen ninety eight, and that's also a gig where we are we were drunk, and most of the time when the musicians are drunk, nothing good from comes from that. You don't remember your parts. We also had a sampler stage, and it was put on the drum riser so the drummer started playing and the sampler was he was the sampler was fucked up because of the vibrations and it all went was one big mess and, and it's that kind of gigs you really want to forget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I think every musician has has experiences like that. Especially when you play for a long time. Yeah, I think you have to have experiences like that. It makes you a better musician almost. Yeah, I, I agree totally. Because from bad gigs, also you learn from that, you know. Because you you can never be on full steam always, you know. And and, uh, and, and sometimes you have a lesser evening. Yeah. It happens with no robots. So, uh, <laughs> And I think when, uh, when there are musicians under the listeners, I... 100% certain that they can recognize all the things I'm telling right now. Yeah, definitely. I'm absolutely definitely. sure about it. And maybe yeah. some of them saw one of those gigs. Maybe they were on Muscle Rock. Maybe some listeners were on Muscle Rock. And when they heard the mistakes, I apologize for that. But we had a great party afterwards. <laughs> That's the main thing. That's the main thing. Yeah. And you know, your, your shows nowadays with rags, when it comes to showtime, your pre-show and post-show rituals, how do you psych yourself up? And then afterwards, how do you wind down? Yeah, that's also a good question. With, with rags, we we, uh, we all have our uh, different method to get energized before a concert. For me personally, I always have nervous. I, I, I make music for such a long time now and I'm always nervous before a show. No matter how people are there, out of four or five, I'm always nervous. So I always try to, you know, get a little bit of a quiet spot, you know, sit in the dressing room, sorry, dressing room, not too much noise, you know. Normally when I, uh, when I support ex of friends of mine, I'll watch a couple of songs, maybe three or four, but then I go backstage, get some rest, change clothes, you know, because we have stage closing thing. Our drummer, he always do some voicing exercises, and he also tried to uh, 
to get a quiet place, sometimes get some sleep before he gets on stage. And uh, Zim, our bass player, yeah, he uh, socializes a little bit, you know, with the people in the crowd. He's a bit different. And sometimes he, he looks for a quiet spot. With him, it's a little bit, bit different. So we have our uh, own approach when it comes to that. It also differs from differs from band to band because we have blood, yeah, this blood ritual before we went up on stage. You know, we stand up in a line and we get big bloods thrown over our heads, you know, and that's also a kind of ritual <laughs> to get energized before the show. Yeah, yeah, true. So it's, uh, yeah. And after the show, normally we would, uh, we walk off stage and uh, we uh, we give each other hugs and then we sit in the dressing room and get a beer. That's pretty standard. Yeah, you sit, take a good seat and you get a beer, a cool beer. And then you sit there for, I think, about a half an hour. And then most of the time we go to the merchandise stand to help the guy selling the merch, talk to people. Sometimes people want the uh, merch to be uh, signed, so we do that. And then normally we stand up for uh, uh, one hour, maybe one hour and a half. And most of the time then, someone from the venue comes and says, hey, you guys have to tear down your equipment and load the van because to, it won't be what to clear up the stage, you know? Yeah. So that's yeah. a little bit, you know, the ritual from uh, mostly every every concert. When you are a support act, you have to get your stuff as soon from the stage as possible. So most of the time then, we walk off the stage, take a quick grab of beer, and then immediately go back on stage and clear the stage for the for that one. I see. I see. And you know, when you guys are on tour, you know, playing festivals, gigs like that, what kind of antics do you guys get up to? Any fun or exciting wild stories you can share with us? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, uh, I think Rex is, 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 is pretty decent. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's a bit boring. <laughs> but uh, nothing really pops up in my mind. Have to think about you that. Normally, it's more like after the shows, you know. Sometimes we get real drunk and building uh, parties and uh, things like that. But but uh, yeah, before shows were pretty professional, you know. Put on a good show and uh, and uh, yeah, we're all we're all also in a relationship. It's called the groupies. We are pretty uh, loyal guys, I guess. Good to hear. Good to hear. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of which, I suppose, how do you guys balance your personal lives with the demands of being in a band? Well, um, I think uh, to uh, to admit it, sometimes can be hard because I have family. And, uh, well, yeah, you are uh, away lots of times. And uh, fortunately, I have a wife which really backs me up with uh, with with that and I'm really lucky about that and um it's kind of the same for uh, for the other guys well Rob uh, Rob Martin a drummer he doesn't have family um and for a bass player yeah it's it's kind of the same 
it's a bit a different story because he divorced from his uh, his his, uh, his wife, but he also has to uh, you know uh, find a way to combine it with his kids. But uh, yeah, we 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 find a way with that, which helps from from people, with friends and family. Yeah. Till now, it it works. It works pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully it'll keep working. And, you know, the times when you guys aren't playing gigs or on tour or maybe the time in between albums, how do you engage with your listeners and your followers? How do you keep them interested? Oh, that's a, a difficult question because I'm not very uh, good with the social media. But, uh, yeah, we try to upload some some some. Uh, pictures, uh, some uh, rehearsal, you know, uh, shots. Let people see that we're still there, you know, and and uh, maybe some some pieces of new material, things things like that. And uh, I think that's going to be the, the same approach when it comes to uh, next year and uh, when we are working on new material. But you know, most of the time, also when uh, album is out for a while. We still try to play gigs, and of course there are not as many when your album is fresh on the market. But still, we uh, try to play gigs and to let people see, hey, we're still there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And when you think of the future, you know, how would you like the band to evolve? Say, what would it look like in five years' time? Oh, that's that's also very difficult question because when we started the band we, we had something like okay let's make an album okay let's make another one and now we also made a third album and we always like we'll see what's happened uh, uh, next year and I really think it's very difficult to uh, to say where we are about in five years hopefully we uh, make a fourth or fifth album maybe much more experimental as this one maybe to explore musical boundaries like we did on this one and maybe we take this a little bit further maybe i think i'm more into that kind of stuff but uh, yeah we'll see but it, was, it is not like, like we have a big plan like becoming huge or something we just want to make music that we like and and hopefully our friends like it too because i think that's the only way to uh, be true to yourself as a musician. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, future plans that are set in stone, what does the rest of the year look like for you guys? Any gigs or anything coming up you want to tell us about? Yeah, sure. Um, our next gig is uh, into the Voyage Festival in Warden. It's uh, a Stoneworth Space Rock Festival, and we're really excited that uh, we are playing there. Um, then our next gig is in Belgium. I'm not exactly where, but it's in uh, the German part of Belgium. And there are some upcoming festivals for next year, and we are working on that. I already hear some names drop, but uh, I can't tell you the names because we're not, we are in the negotiation uh, stadium, right? But our goal is to. Uh, to play as many festivals as possible next year, and do also some uh, some club shows, of course, 
And uh, hopefully in Ireland. Fingers crossed. It'd be great Should to be get great. you guys over here. Yeah. Playing Dublin or uh, anywhere else. I only played there once with the Elf Blood, and it was really great. We went out in Dublin. I think I came home at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning or something. <laughs> Sounds like Dublin. It was really right. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we went up in a bar and we were guys playing uh, folk, folk songs. But the atmosphere was great. I didn't know any of the folk songs, not <laughs> one. But the atmosphere was uh, very good and the people were extremely friendly. And they uh, they brought us full with Guinness. And uh, <laughs> it was really, really fun. Great time. You're a long overdue a return visit, so. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've lost the name of the venue. Maybe it's called The Point? I'm not sure about that. The Point. Yeah, could it be? Yeah, there was the, it was the biggest venue in uh, Dublin at one stage. The Point Depot, it was called. I think it's called yeah, the, I think it was there. the Tree Arena, it's called now. Ah, okay. Yeah, I think it was there. Yeah. Ah, I'm always sure. Yeah, that was a, a good while ago now. Yeah, it was it was really cool. And uh, I'm uh, hopefully we can do as many shows as possible. And, hope, and we're looking for opportunities to uh, make a tour, maybe as a sport tech for a band, but we, uh, we're working on it. And hopefully I can inform you, uh, you guys, that it really happened and let you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Be uh, great to catch one of your shows. We'll uh, we'll dive into the last couple of questions. So there are a couple of odd, fun music questions, but I'm intrigued to see your answer. Okay, shoot it. If you could see any musician from history in concert for one night only, who would it be? Can I only pick one? I'll go easy. You can pick a couple, so. Okay, well, that are a couple of ones because I really like to see Randy Rhodes with Alty. I'd like to see Robert Johnson. In concert, so I have to go uh, to the twenties and uh, Queen, right? With right. Freddie Mercury in the seventies, in the best era. Yeah, I think those three. Oh, Jimi Hendrix, maybe Rainbow, Ronnie James Dio time. Yeah. Oh, there are lots of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? There are lots. Hey, Edward van Halen. Yeah. With Dave Lee Roth in the eighties. Oh man. I only we could pick a top, but I think uh, <laughs> who wanted to see the most, I think the first three, Robert Johnson, Queen, and Ozzy with Randy. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. This one is a bit odd now. If you had to spend 24 hours locked inside a room with any musician from history, who would it be? Oh, whoa, whoa. I think Robert Johnson. Good choice. When I hear stories about him, I don't think he's a very nice person. Hmm. But I'm so intrigued with his playing that, yeah, I should be picking him. And play slide guitar. It's a good one. It's a good one. Do you reckon he really did sell his soul at the crossroads? Uh, well, it's a great myth. It's a great legend. And uh, I read a lot about it. But uh, I think the true story is that, uh, well, it's actually funny, William, because uh, when he started playing guitar, he wasn't that good because he, uh, he, uh, he, he, also, he always jumped on stage with guys like Sunhouse, you know, and Big Bruce, uh, what's his name? Big Bruce, 
the uh, I forgot, but those really those blues legend, you know, which are uh, from the early twenties uh, for the last century, and he was squeaking on the guitar and he was annoying those guys, and then he went away for one year, and then he came back, and he played them all over. Yeah, you know, so I think he practiced twelve hours a day that year. He'd have to. <laughs> and there was this secret guy called Hans Zimmermann, and he was the guy which they think that he gave him lessons. Ah, I didn't know that part now. That's the, that, that's the rumor, that this guy took him under his wings for one year, and then Robert Johnson came back, and then he was the best guitar player of its time. Yeah. I think that is the real story, but... The people were saying, within one year, play that good, you have to sell your soul to the devil because otherwise it's not possible. Yeah, yeah. There was also this movie in the 80s called Crossroads. Not with Britney Spears, but with this karate kid <laughs> guy. And Steve Fai is also... It's quite funny to watch that with a guitar battle. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Like the karate kid with uh, guitars. <laughs> yes. Also, it's a nice documentary on Netflix. The Devil and the Crossroads, I think it's called. And it's about Robert Johnson. So that's, I can recommend that. Right, right. And the uh, the final one, I've been told this is near impossible to answer now, but we'll give it a go. What song would appear on the soundtrack to your life? I think there's one song in particular, and that would be Stargazer from Red. Right, right. I think for me that is one of the best hard rock songs ever written. And the way Johnny Ramzio is singing it gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. And I know it's not a very experimental uh, song. It's not very, very spacey or psychedelic, but for me it's very special. And it was like that since I heard it the first time. And I was maybe nine or ten years old. It came in like a, like a sledgehammer, and it's still very special. Every time I hear it, has to be uh has to be that one on the soundtrack to your life. So, yeah, that 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 one definitely. There are more, but that one definitely. Right, right. Listen, I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Now it's been an absolute blast. Thanks a million. Oh, uh, thank you very much. I uh, I love talking to you, and uh, hopefully we uh, talk to each other again.
Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rockin'. Hey. Hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.